Hello and welcome to the latest podcast for The Lancet Infectious Diseases. Richard Lane here and it's Wednesday, December the 19th. Now this scenario is quite common. You get a cough or a chest infection, it goes on for a while, you go to your doctor and it's fairly normal that you'll be prescribed antibiotics. It's been a standard course of primary care treatment for years and years. But is it the right thing to do? Well, it might not be. So let's find out more by a study published on December the 19th by The Lancet Infectious Diseases. Let's hear from our author interview this week and here he is introducing himself. Professor Paul Little at the University of Southampton in the Primary Care and Population Sciences Division of the university. Many thanks indeed for talking to the Lancet Infectious Diseases. You're the author of a study published online on December the 19th and in an upcoming print issue of TLID. This concerns the uh, perennial issue or clinical question, which is the management of lower respiratory tract infection, specifically the use of antibiotics in this field and it is and remains a a controversial clinical issue. Before we go into the details, just tell us how you approach this study and and the relative absence of placebo-controlled trials in the past. Why is this? I have to say it's always been somewhat baffling to me but perhaps it's partly because it's in sort of the research funder's mind easy to dismiss sort of chest infections and not perhaps that serious. But in fact, it's one of the more long-lasting infections, lasts on average around three weeks, and many people have it for, for longer than that. People feel pretty unwell with it, so they very commonly come to see their doctors with it. So it really is an incredibly common problem. And I guess for perhaps the, the commonest or one of the commonest infections we see, it's, it's really amazing that the evidence from, from placebo-controlled studies for sort of important symptoms anyway is only from a few hundred people, just to give you some examples. So for example, less than 400 people in the placebo-controlled trial data sets for outcomes such as feeling unwell or limiting activities, and very little evidence for um, important subgroups like the fit elderly. So surprisingly little evidence for one of the most common conditions we see in practice. So given the, the, the paucity of data in this area, what was the driving force behind your study? And this is a large multi-centre European randomised trial. As I sort of hinted, uh, we, we wanted to do a study like this for some time. It was very clear that we didn't really have enough evidence overall and certainly not for subgroups such as the fit elderly where there's considerable doubt as to whether you should be prescribing antibiotics or not. Various things then sort of came together, I guess combination of the funds being available through uh, the European Commission and a group of like-minded European researchers ranging from microbiologists through geneticists to to GPs all came together to put the grant in. So quite a logistic exercise even in in getting the grant organised but um, a fantastic opportunity provided by the European Commission. And can you just briefly summarise the results here? No need to go into the methodology and all the details of the countries participating. That's all available in the paper. What are the main findings from your study? In just over 2,000 patients who are randomised to either get a pretty reasonable dose of antibiotic or placebo, basically groups didn't differ significantly in their symptom resolution or symptom severity. So approximately a 5% improvement or thereabouts but but really not statistically uh, significant. And although a a few people in the placebo group developed new or worsening symptoms, the difference was rather small, so you'd have to treat around 30 people for one to benefit. And if you compare that to the number of people that you'd be harming by giving them 
nausea, rash or diarrhea, you'd need somebody's harm of about 21. So really very modest benefits versus modest harms. And given the overall problem of uh, antibiotic resistance and our need to conserve the antibiotic stock, really, on average, very little benefit. And which um, antibiotic or antibiotics are we talking about? The one we chose was amoxicillin, which is perhaps the commonest antibiotic used in the UK, for example, in the management of chest infections. The slight wrinkle in this study was that resistance rates are variable across Europe and we needed to use a dose that was high enough to cover most of the the mid-resistant organisms anyway, for example, in Spain, and to convince our Spanish colleagues that that this was a safe trial for them to be doing to to cover bacterial infections. It's a nice everyday antibiotic that that is used, um, but in just slightly higher dose, that's all. An obvious message from this study is that antibiotics are being incorrectly prescribed for people who clearly you know, don't have a bacterial infection. So why why is this the case? And this has been going on for a long time and presumably, dare I say, it will continue to, to go on. Is it just the lack of being able to target the subgroup of people that could actually benefit from an antibiotic for, for a bacterial infection when in fact most people have probably got the common cold or symptoms relating to a common cold, i.e. caused by a virus? Yeah, I think that's a, that's a fair comment. I think the history of this is sort of complicated. So it partly relates to the history of infection. So the complication rates for lots of infections used to be much higher, say, I don't know, 60 years ago than it is now. By and large, we're a, we're a healthier population now. It also relates to who teaches the doctors, if you like. So my generation of doctors and probably quite a few since, but certainly my generation and before, were taught if somebody's got a chest infection, they need antibiotics. And that's partly because they were taught by hospital consultants who saw more of the severe end of the spectrum. And and in fact, their patients probably are more the ones who are more likely to benefit from antibiotics than the more severe end of the spectrum. Then what you get is because doctors have been taught to prescribe and they do prescribe, then when you give an antibiotic to somebody and they get better, they think it's the antibiotic that's done it. So in effect, you've fostered their belief in the antibiotic and you're in effect, you're, you're medicalizing a self-limiting illness and encouraging them to come back in future. So you create this sort of vicious circle of giving stuff, in this case antibiotics, people believing it's important, coming back, embedded in, in the history of teaching about how, how you should manage infection. So I think that the message is gradually being turned around now, but, but I think that's how we've got to where we are, that we've ended up giving something that probably isn't terribly effective. Just briefly, you mentioned in your paper a Cochrane review dealing with this very clinical question. The findings of that review were different to your findings, is that right? A little little different, I think, uh, is fair to say. So what the, the Cochrane review had trials from different settings but for example they estimated the number of people you'd need to treat to have a cough at follow-up and that number was was six but unfortunately it came from only four studies with um, just under 300 participants so you might say well actually a number needed to treat needed to treat six that's not that bad and similarly looks like that they had a number needed to treat of around seven for things like a night cough or follow-up modest benefit i think from the cochrane review and i think our study really shows that if you do a study in a primary a typical primary care setting which is where nearly all of these chest infections are managed you get a smaller estimate of benefit the great thing about the, the grace study is that we're able to show not only the amount of benefit is small but the extent of harm. So to give both clinicians and and patients a better idea of whether they're likely to benefit and or harm from having this treatment. A couple of final points. Uh, It seems very clear that the only subgroup of 
patients who would really benefit from intervention here are those uh, with pneumonia, clearly, where drug therapy obviously would be, antibiotic therapy would be recommended. Is it possible from clinical signs, clinical symptoms in primary care as to be able to identify those people who could benefit from drug therapy? That is the sort of one of the $6 million uh, questions, if you like. And the answer is uh, probably from the, the research we've got to date, um, doctors can use their normal clinical acumen to identify people who've got a pretty important pneumonia, if you like. So you're, you're probably not going to miss the, the raging pneumonias as a clinician on various grounds, both how the how ill the patient is and also um, you'll often have some vital signs which, which will have changed or, or signs in the chest. The question is, is for the, if you like, the, the ones that we, we don't detect clinically and it would be incredibly useful if uh, we could get better at um, identifying those, those individuals. But I think on clinical grounds, so this trial was, the concept here was if the doctor didn't think clinically that the patient had pneumonia, they were eligible for the trial and could be randomized. I think although we'd like to get much better at identifying those who've got small amounts of pneumonia, if you like, who probably would benefit from antibiotics, I think we can be reasonably reassuring that using their normal clinical skills, doctors can make some sensible decisions about uh, whether somebody needs antibiotics or not. Final, final question. You've already covered it, but, but just for clarification, how would you just briefly sum up what your study uh, is reporting? What are the, the clinical recommendations based on your research, and what are the next steps, if any, in this area? Right, so I'd say that this, the data from this study shows pretty clearly that most patients uh, that are currently getting antibiotics, including the fit elderly, are not likely to benefit from them around half a day, maybe, of uh, sim- symptoms, 3% of patients developing worse or new symptoms versus about 5% of patients getting rash, nausea, or diarrhea. So really, marginal benefit and modest harm. So I think the bottom line clinically is where the doctor doesn't suspect pneumonia to either not prescribe antibiotics or to use an approach such as a, a delayed antibiotic prescribing approach where you keep antibiotics in reserve only to be collected if things aren't settling in a week or so. So I think that would be the bottom line clinical message here. And for research, further research? I think this issue of identifying the the subgroups who are likely to benefit to make it even clearer who benefits and who doesn't benefit is going to be very important. Where we'll go with the revolution in genomics, who knows? But we'll get some of the data from this great study where we collected lots of genetic samples and plasma samples. So we should be able to do some further research to tease out, hopefully, some of the subgroups that might potentially benefit. I think the other area of research is we need large, well-characterized prospective studies to identify the, the people on clinical grounds who are going to do badly. And there have been relatively few of those. So plenty of room for more research. Well, it's a very interesting, very important, clinically relevant study. So Professor Paul Little on the line from the University of Southampton. Many thanks indeed for talking to the Lancet.